So we continue to offer John Stott's prayer as we consider God's word together. Heavenly Father, we pray that this day we may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, we pray that this day we may take up our crosses and follow you. Holy Spirit, we pray that this day you fill us with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all God's people said, Amen. So remember, we are walking in step with the Spirit of God. We are being filled with the Spirit of God. And we are knowing the living presence of our God together. When we are studying these fruit of the Spirit, we are totally recognizing that this is God, who God is, and what it's like to know these things in our lives is to know God in our lives. So to know the love of God is to know our belovedness and to know that God delights in us and dwells with us to know the love of God and the love of God in the world is to be in step with the Spirit of God. To have the joy of the Holy Spirit, the gladness that is expressed in all kinds of circumstances about being alive, the resistance that we have when the world tries to tell us that life is not worth living, we know the joy of the Lord and it is our strength to persevere, and to endure in all kinds of circumstances. To know the peace of Christ in our life through the presence of the Holy Spirit is to know the peace that guards our hearts and our minds in all kinds of circumstances. The kind of peace that allows us to go and be uncomfortable and to be in a dangerous place because we know that we have the peace of God with us. The peace to know that we're doing the right thing with our Savior. To know the patience of God, the patience of God that leads God to withhold from giving us what we deserve and continuously invite us to transformation and to living a different way. To know the patience of God is to know his presence and in those times of disobedience and sinfulness to know and finally reach that point where we realize that we're the ones that have turned away and to know that God is waiting, ready through the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us be different and to know the kindness of God when that moment comes. The kindness of God is what leads to repentance. The kindness of God is the gift and the language of the New Testament when it comes to our salvation. That it was out of God's kindness that he saved us. Out of God's kindness looking for the good of others. That he gave us this gift and continuously gives us the gift of forgiveness. And the goodness and generosity of God that we see in the world around us and that we read in the pages of Scripture, the goodness and generosity of God that looks to the well-being of others, always giving us what we need. The goodness of God that we see in how God is an abundant God. And in that abundance, always preserves and gives us what we need. 
So today we look and consider faithfulness when we're going to use the open Bible to help us to think about the faithfulness of God. So what is faithfulness? What is the definition of faithfulness? Well, if you are faithful, and if you have faithfulness, you are in the state of being one in whom confidence can be placed. In other words, you are trustworthy. And you are shown to be worthy of that trust over a long period of time. So you are dependable over the long haul. So to be faithful, to be able to be classified as faithful, you have to be one in whom confidence can be placed. You have to be trustworthy. And you have to have proved that trustworthiness over a long period of time. Now in the Old Testament, God is faithful is the most often thing said about God. God is faithful. And in the Old Testament, that word for faithful connotes this idea of steadfastness, of firmness, like I'm not going anywhere, you're not going to be able to move me, and fidelity, that commitment and intimacy to, to another, fidelity, that language that we use to talk about marriage and commitment over a long haul to a cause or to a person or to a belief where that commitment is your guiding force for the decisions you make about how you will act. And it's proven, not just in a moment, but it is proven over a long period of time. So God is faithful. Over and over, the scriptures tell us this, in both the Old and the New Testament. Today will not be an exhaustive list of the amount of times that scripture talks about God being faithful. We're going to have a couple of verses here and there that kind of help us to tell this big story. But who and what is God faithful to? As we walk and step in the Spirit, what are we trusting God to be faithful in? I occasionally go back to this lecture I heard from N.T. Wright once about the big picture, the mission of God. And he describes Scripture as the story about the one God who made heaven and earth remaining faithful to all that he has said he would do. That faithfulness and love are the two main stories about God that we are given in Scripture. So what is it that God is remaining faithful to? This is Psalm 33. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. N.T. Wright argues that the biggest story in Scripture, and I agree with him, is about God and the cosmos, God and all that there is. And our story, in that story, is peace, a piece of it. But God created heaven and earth and all that there is. We looked at that last week in the goodness of God. And the story begins with God making a good world. And the story 
ends with God renewing and restoring a good heaven and earth. God and the work of his hands in creating all that exists promises to restore all that exists. His word and his work are upright and done in faithfulness. And the earth is full of his love. The big story in scripture is that God made all that there is. And he has promised a few things about that. He's promised to never destroy the world again with the flood. He's promised to preserve and to provide for what he has made and all of his creatures. We've read over and over in different stories. Remember Jonah, he ends with saying, why should I not care about the humans and the animals? God cares for all that he has created. And he promises to restore a new, good, final heaven and earth. Echoed in Psalm 111. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All of his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be, for, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. I just love that picture of the active God, the works of his hands. That preserving. When God is faithful, he is active. That's the picture, the works of his hands. We are the works of his hands, which means God is continuing to be at work. And the works of his hands are humans. We are the crowning masterpiece of God's creation. He has placed us a little lower than the angels. And he has given us precepts, which is a word that means uh, not just laws, but like a focus or a direction, the way that he wants us to go. And that's to reflect to the world as image bearers of God, who God is. Reflect to the world as created world. So like trees and bushes and animals. And to reflect to other human beings who God is. And then to give back to God what the world is through prayer, through petition, through offering, through the work of our hands, blessing God's creation by blessing one another. That's the second layer of God at work through humanity and with humanity. Because yes, we are the crowning work of his hands, but we've also proven that we are not so good on that faithfulness part as he is. Beginning with that story about Adam and Eve and their inability to image back to God his faithfulness. Their inability to, to trust what God had told them was best for them. And so the story of scripture becomes about God continuously inviting humanity back into this relationship and continuously empowering them to try to carry out these precepts and these ideas about what he has for the world through them. 
We see it in Abraham and Sarah when he promises to bless them, to bless those that bless them, to curse those that curse them, and to make them a great nation in order to bless the world. And we see it again and again as that great nation becomes Israel. And as Israel fails to be able to live in that place of trust and promise. And Israel fails to be faithful. But Israel, over and over again, knows the faithfulness of God. Listen to this from another man, another theologian with the last name right, a different one. And it's so good, I'm just going to read it to you. Suppose you could have come alongside the Israelites who wrote songs like Psalm 33 and Psalm 111. And you were able to ask them, excuse me, but how do you know? How do you know what you are singing about? How can you be so sure that the Lord your God is faithful? Christopher Wright says, I think they would have taken you aside, made you sit down, and told you their story. Meaning the great story of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Look again at these descriptions of God. Faithfulness, justice, love. For an Israelite, the Exodus story proved all of them. You asked about the Lord's faithfulness, your Israelite friend might say. He kept his promise to Abraham when he brought us out of Egypt. You ask about God's justice. He showed that in bringing judgment on the Egyptians of their economic, for their economic exploitation and genocidal oppression of our ancestors. You asked about his love. Listen to how God put up with us in all our grumbling and rebellion in the wilderness. How he gave us food and water and kept us safe from our enemies. That's how I know God is faithful. So come and sing this psalm with me. The Israelites knew their stories and kept on singing about God's faithfulness simply because God had proved it through the long centuries of their history. They knew God could be trusted because he'd kept every promise he'd ever made. So even when the Israelites were suffering under judgment for their sin, they still came back and appealed to this characteristic of God and pleaded with him to be faithful to his promises of restoration. God would be faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. We studied that particular prayer, didn't we, during Lamentations, a time when the only thing the people had to rely on was trust in the character of God. That God was proving himself to be faithful even in their time of suffering and distress. Because God promised to the Israelites, I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will make a covenant with you. I will pledge my fidelity to you. So what happens when the Israelites prove to be incapable? When you and I prove to be incapable? The, the story goes like this. From God and the cosmos being the big story, to God and human race, and God and the Israelites, to the culmination and climax of the story of Israel being found in the story and the work of his hands in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians tells us that in every, in Jesus, everyone 
of God's promises is yes. In Jesus, every one of God's promises is yes. So Jesus is the culmination and the faithful work of God. The faithful work of God's hands is to come and be among us, to show us that image-bearing right in our midst, and to give to, the, give to God what the world should be, to live that perfect life of offering to God. God's promise is to make a way for the whole human race and for the world to come to know the steadfast faithfulness and love of God, and he does so through Jesus. And that story is about our salvation, Paul says. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that story is about our preservation and our protection. As God says, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And that story is about trusting in all circumstances. Paul goes on in, Thess in Peter. Let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Trust themselves to the faithful God in all circumstances. Continuing to try to be faithful yourselves. Over and over in scripture, we are called to remember the big story of God. Our story in that story. And the overwhelming work of Jesus that ties all of those pieces together. Jesus has come to rescue. Jesus has come to rescue in order to rescue all humankind and to rescue this world, to renew it and sustain it. That promise from the beginning of a new heaven and a new earth starts with this picture that John was given of Jesus returning. And notice what Jesus is called in Revelation. John says, Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, its rider called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. In righteousness God does the work of his hands and fulfills his promise. God is faithful. So can we join the psalmist in Psalm 40? The psalmist says, I have not hidden your, your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. How great to have it in your heart. But how beautiful and praise to God when you can write it on a little piece of paper and put it on a wall for the great congregation. Right? 
We don't just keep these things hidden in our hearts, but part of the way that we reflect to the world who God is is to say what is true about God being faithful and keeping his promises. So how do you know the faithfulness of God? Is it a passage of scripture that comes to your mind in a moment of need? Is it the food that's on your table every day? It is the gift of your own salvation that you take great comfort and hope in. It is, the, is it the peace, the goodness, the joy, the love, the patience, the kindness of God that you can name and become aware of? You see how all of these characteristics of God are the ways in which we know that God is faithful? The trust that we have that he will protect us from the evil one when we call upon his name. And that there is no shame, but in fact, God takes great delight when we tell those stories and write them on little pieces of paper for the great congregation to hear and to see. That God takes great delight. The psalmist goes on to say, Do not, O Lord, Withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Call upon the faithfulness of God. This is the word of the Lord. So to help us with this part of the psalm, our prayer today is actually going to be the song, Lord, I Need You, where we call upon the steadfastness of God Every hour, we need God. Because he is our defense against the evil one. He is our righteousness. He's our hope and our stay. And so we pray to this God who has proven himself to be faithful, not just in the pages of scripture, but in our own lives. And we ask God to continue that work in song.